This episode is brought to you by our partnership with Kelly Education. Welcome to the Ignite Project, a Polk County Public Schools podcast made for teachers by teachers. Teachers of all experience levels need each other's enthusiasm and passion to fuel an ongoing desire to do what it takes to meet the needs of our students. And that's what this podcast is all about. Be energized by their enthusiasm to ignite a love for teaching while they challenge others to join them in their work. Join us now. Hey there, welcome to season two of the Ignite Project podcast. We are so excited to have you back. In case this is your first time, there really is a season one. And in season one, we got to introduce to you so many awesome Polk County Public Schools educators. talking about things that they're passionate about and things that they want to ignite in other educators and in the greater community. And so we are kicking off with an awesome, awesome, awesome guest, Dr. Shaime Cortez-Vega from Stevens Elementary. Welcome. Happy to be here. Thank you. (laughs) Great to have you. Um, Shaime is really going to be such a treat today because we get to hear her passion about literacy. And for some of us, we're thinking, okay, literacy like in school, but what if I'm a a parent or what if I'm a new teacher or an experienced teacher? So we're going to hit all the bases today. Um, just to tell you a little bit about Shime. Shime, you have um, quite a list of degrees, which is awesome. Yes. Um, a degree in English from the University of South Florida, mm-hmm. your bachelor's degree, and then you got your master's in education um, from Florida Southern, and then your doctorate in educational leadership, leadership from University of Phoenix. Yes. You love learning. I do. I do. <laughs> and my husband actually teased me a little bit when I finished my doctorate. He said, oh, are you going to do another one? And I kind of thought about it, <laughs> That's but right. you know, some people like to collect degrees. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> they love to learn. I love to learn. It's yes. a, lot, a lot of interesting um, research out there to learn from and a lot of studies that yeah. I could potentially do in the future. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Well, and you have 12 years experience. You've taught fourth through eighth grade, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then you started as an inclusion VE teacher at Westwood. Then you went over to Snively. And then when you became a reading coach, you went over to Stevens Elementary yes. in Bartow. Awesome. Very cool. So kind of you've seen from the elementary perspective, the secondary perspective. But I love that you also have this alternative certification perspective. Yes. We're not an ed major. No, I was not. And then you found education and like fell in love. Yes. It's going to be hard to get rid of me. I want to stay. <laughs> I'm I here. love it. Well, that's good. We don't want you to go anywhere. So for people that are listening, I had to make sure that we have this plug. Shime has an incredible Instagram page um, called uh, at Dr. Cortez Writes. Yes. And all the stuff that you have on there is super cool. And we'll definitely kind of integrate in what we're talking about today. But just I love that you put up little snapshots about what you're reading to your daughter for bedtime stories, or here's a really great um, infographic on the science of reading, or parents, what do you think about this? So it's kind of just helping everyone, just in a quick picture. I even will say I bought uh, my son Oliver a book based on what you put there that came in the mail. That's awesome. (laughs) And he loves it. He loves it. Um, So really, really cool. If you are not following her, make sure that you are. Thank you. Um, and so we've loved getting to have you in our culture ambassador program, presenting yes. as an Emerge Symposium presenter, all that. Um, but really, I'm excited to have you here because you're talking about literacy and why it's important to have this focus on literacy. Sometimes we have this debate on literacy or math, right? <laughs> and which one is better, kind of like I know. FSU versus UF, right? Like going back and forth. Well, they're both important, they're but both I am biased toward, toward reading. I am an instructional <laughs> reading coach, so. Exactly. I am a little biased. Of course. And that's okay. 
So let's start off by defining literacy. If for those that are either new to education or not even in education at all, what does that mean to you? Well, I think that when most people think about literacy, they think about it's the reading and writing, but there's so much more to it than that. You know, you have to be able to identify what you're reading, understand, be able to communicate all of this rich information that's around us. Mm-hmm. So it goes beyond just what you learn in school. It's a life skill uh, for so many, for so many of us, for all of us. You have to be able to read that job application. When you go to apply for your house and you do your mortgage, the papers are like this thick and you have to read <laughs> through all of that. Um, and it really is a life skill. It embeds everything that we do as we get older. So as you know, when you're in pre-K, you're teaching your kids, you're laying a foundation for their future, mm-hmm. for their entire life. So every step of the way, everything that we do in literacy in schools matters. Everything that we teach our kids is you're building their foundation for when they become adults in the future. And it's amazing. That's awesome. And we so true today, especially with like the news and different things that are out there. And if you're not really truly literate and being able to get into that, you're kind of just having to go based on what people say. You're not able to go and look at it yourself. Yes. And it's so important to be able to read and understand and kind of think critically as well about what you're reading Mm -hmm. and be like, hmm. Is this actually real information or is this a little biased? (laughs) (laughs) No more irrelevant than right now, I'm sure. And so when we were talking earlier, we were talking about some stats related to literacy, why it's so important to have this uh, as Um, a focus. There's lots of stats out there. One of them that always kind of stands out to me is that I think 20% of adults are reading below grade level or not reading well enough to even earn a living wage. Wow. So, um... Definitely, again, going back to what we do in schools matters. And then in addition to that, I think one in three students in third grade are reading proficiently. And there's a lot of different reasons that go into that. Our students that come from um, difficult backgrounds, that come from traumatic backgrounds and whatnot. Um, But just because their stats are like that doesn't mean that we can't make it better. Right. There's a lot of different things that we can do in the classroom. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when you see like the magnitude it has leading forward and then how much it takes to be able to take someone who is like a third grader who isn't reading on grade level and then how many years continuing to go more and more on that. And then by high school, if they're not reading the impact it could have on their lives, on their families, on their careers. Right. That's awesome. So I I love because you are in a really unique position and that you kind of are wearing a lot of hats. You have been the new teacher who's not an ed major who Mm -hmm. is in the classroom and trying to figure it all out and trying to figure out what's important you are the mom who is you know trying to um, promote literacy at home and then now you're a teacher leader right you're a reading coach and so trying to influence others so I want us to kind of hit on each one and really kind of see where literacy is this golden thread in between it all Mm -hmm. all right so let's start with the non-ed majors those are dear and near to our heart for sure our new teachers so if I'm a new teacher everything is new regardless ed major or not right yes like everything is new especially right now in light of COVID-19 everything going on trying to learn everything and it's hard for us to kind of see what's important and what can I learn later yes um so what is literate why is literally literacy something that new teachers should prioritize well literacy like we were talking about before is something we should prioritize because it's in every subject right, right? even math <laughs> um, they have to be able to read those word problems. So if I'm an ELA teacher, if I'm a reading teacher, social studies, science, the children have to be able to read that content. So it has to be like my number one. Otherwise, my children are going to str- struggle in not only my subject area, but all the other content areas. If right. I was a secondary teacher or an elementary, all the other um, subjects that I teach. So we definitely have to focus on that, I think, first. 
and then segue into the content for social studies and science and you know envir environmental science, whatever other areas um, the kids are learning. So regardless if I'm a reading teacher or not, yeah, it still needs to be a part of yes, what I'm doing. Yes, for sure. And I started out as a social studies teacher, actually. Oh, really? So nice. um, everything we did was based in reading. So yeah. I had to embed those skills into my class as well because my children had to be able to read. Yeah. So then speaking off of that, what's a simple way that even if I'm not teaching reading that I could work in literacy into my classroom so kids are not just going to do well in my class but be able to grow overall? Well, one of the things that we that I've read about, um, some of our children that come from low socioeconomic um, backgrounds or they come from backgrounds that where they experience trauma, they have um, working memory issues more so than other children. So one of the ways that we can just easily uh, embed literacy is to chunk what we're reading in class, right? So that the load on their memory is not as great. Mm. Uh, so they can engage more with that. Um, having uh, different ways of engaging with text, having the shared read, reading with a partner, modeled reading. I was going to talk about uh, read alouds. We can do that in any grade, any yeah. level. Um, I think read alouds are super, super important. And sometimes um, we don't find the time for it because we think maybe that's, oh, that's just like for kindergarten or for first grade. Right. But it's not. Um, you may be the only person that they hear that reads well. So it's so important to do read alouds and not only that, but to also model what your brain is doing right. while you're reading, having those questions that you're asking yourself so they can hear your process and thinking and hear um, what kinds of questions they should be asking themselves as they're reading. And also that rich discussion that you have about what they've read is so, so important for you to model, even if it's it's, you know, a high school classroom. Right. Because they need to have that model for them so they know what to do. Right, right. Because you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Right? And I can sometimes we forget that if I don't teach them how to think like mm -hmm. this, they're not going to think like this. Yeah, just it, naturally. It's a great way to get them excited about reading, too. And I know right. that at least me, because I'm, you know, I have a flair for dramatics. <laughs> I love doing voices and like acting out the, the characters and one of the kids really love it. And I always like strategically pick books that are part of a series. Yeah. So once I finish that book, they get really excited. And without a doubt, every time, not to toot my own horn, but every time I've, do, I've done a read aloud, I end up with a wait list for like the next book in the series because they're so excited to yeah. read the next one. So there's different ways of including read alouds at different um stages of education to get them excited about reading and also to model those really important strategies of what is my brain doing while I'm reading. I love it. That's awesome. So these are all things then for easy things for, to, yeah, for teachers to do and work sure. in. Is there anything you would tell a new teacher not to do? Not to do. Okay. One of the things that can be difficult, I think, sometimes is figuring out why a child can't read. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we just kind of throw comprehension passages and they're like, well, they can't read it. They can't comprehend. But the reason is why. We have to figure that out. So I think sometimes we we kind of uh, move away from like, well, I, I don't know why they can't read. Well, don't avoid that. We need to embrace that. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to diagnose those things. So um, there's lots of different assessments that are like for free. Um, there's probably one that comes with it, their curriculum. Really great reading is a great resource as a website that has these free assessments and it'll help you pinpoint why your child can't read or why your children, I call them my children. I know, I do the same thing. <laughs> why um, your children in your classroom are having difficulty reading. Is it yeah. a fluency problem? Is it vocabulary? Is it phonics? Is it phonological awareness? You know, all these different things. And I know for a new teacher, um, saying all those things is like, uh, what's phonological what awareness? Does that even mean? I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, so especially as a new teacher, all those acronyms, I wish that all the things about science and reading that I like learned now, I wish that I had learned them when I first started, because I think I would have done so much better for my kids. So like, if you want to learn about the science of reading, 
Equip for Reading Success by David Kilpatrick is a really great book okay. that tells you all the research. And I love research, you know, but it also kind of tells you the how of like how you would do these reading uh, strategies. And Speech to Print by Dr. Motz is a good one that defines everything for you. Yeah. So if I say phoneme, grapheme, digraph, and your eyes go cross-wide, you know, cross-eyed, <laughs> well, I don't know speech to print is a really good book to look at also. Very cool. And just to, I think, and I think the reason I say that is because as you're, as a teacher, you're the best resource in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not your curriculum. It's not the books that you have in there. So the more informed that you are about literacy and about reading, the better of a resource you're going to be for your kids. Mm-hmm. Such a good point. Because you're the one that's actually going to yeah. implement it and have to interact with They're, them, get their buy-in for it and everything. Exactly. I no program or computer program can replace a good teacher. Yes. I can hear the clapping already. <laughs> that is so true. And sometimes I think you make such a great point about being scared about that why, of why they are not reading well. And sometimes if we don't have the content knowledge to know mm-hmm. how to support them, it might be like, well, let me put you on this computer program because this will address that need. But they still need you as the teacher to yes. be able to handle that yes. and work with it. And tell us that website again, because we'll make sure we link all this in the oh, show. Oh, it was reallygreatreading.com. Reallygreatreading.com. Yes. Awesome. Awesome, awesome website. To Very cool. Well, and so I don't know if any of those tools then would also transition into the parent mindset, but Amy, you are obviously a, a parent and are able to have this other half of your brain that's really devoted to literacy. But even for those that aren't, just taking a look at your Instagram would give them tons of ideas yes, on hope so. books that's you can read and different things. Um, so what are some simple ways then if for the parents that are out there or even like the educators that are listening that maybe aren't literacy coaches or you know teach reading, what are some steps that they can take to be able to support literacy from home? Well, I would definitely say, and all teachers will always say this, to read to your child every night, yeah. right? And I think I think we underestimate the impact that that has to our yeah. children because not only are you modeling good reading, and, but you're also building a bond with your child through books. Right. And there's so much that kids can learn, so many different themes, and we can talk about that with I'll talk about that with your kids. Social emotional learning mm-hmm. is really important um, takeaway that we can take from reading to our kids. And I think I've read somewhere that says that if you if a child reads 20 minutes a night from kindergarten all the way to sixth grade, they will have read, I think, two million words. Wow. Which is amazing, right? Yeah. I mean, come on, two million words? Right. Think about the vocabulary growth, the listening comprehension growth, the growth in just comprehension itself, fluency. Right. You're making such an impact just by reading to your kid yeah. every night and having them read to you. Sometimes I would pretend um, when I'm reading with my daughter that I don't know how to read certain words. So right. she's like, it's like this, mommy, and she gets really excited. <laughs> um, also playing games. I think, you know, the... We pass those workbooks in different stores and whatnot, and we yeah. it's very tempting to buy them. Right. So, oh, it has all the skills in it, but uh, they are boring. They They're are. Boring. They are. <laughs> They're boring. <laughs> and, you know, once your child's come home from school, the last thing they want to do is work on a workbook. Mm-hmm. They've been doing that all day. Hopefully not all day. Um, but playing different games uh, in the car, like um, if you are if you have a little kid, a ch- small child like I do, she's five, we play um, Guess the Word, I'll Say the Sounds, what word is it? And she'll be like, cat. Yeah. Or I'll say, um, okay, we're going to guess the sound. What sounds at the beginning of this word? Pat. And she'll be like, pat. Oh, puh. It's puh. Or she'll say, um, I'll say, or I'll do the ending sound. Mm-hmm. Um, you can play with chalk outside writing words. You can just make it multi-sensory, make it fun. There's right. Scrabble is a good game to play at home. There's all different things that you can do, but just make it fun and not boring. Because <laughs> no kid wants to work in a workbook. Right. And... Um, I know that sometimes as parents, we want our kids to be reading certain things. Um, I've, I often get, uh, well, they only read dog man books or they only read comics. Mm. And I'm like, that's okay. 
it is. I know I have a philosophical difference. I don't like to police what children read mm -hmm. because I think sometimes when we do that, it kind of prevents them from wanting to read more. Yeah. So as far as motivation, I think that you can share things that you like to read with your kids and be like, hey, I found this book at the library. It's very similar to the dog man books. Can I share that with you? Can I read it with you? Right. right. Instead of saying, you're going to read this now. Mm -hmm. that, no kid. I mean, think about you going to the library, going to the bookstore, <laughs> you know, right. I'm like, I don't like historical fiction let's say i'm not gonna read it just because someone made me read it right right but i might listen to it if my husband's sharing it with me or um i'm listening to it on an audiobook mm -hmm. or maybe if i have a book subscription i might try something new um if that's something that's within your budget they have those now which is really cool yeah so yeah there's lots of fun things you can do at home i think i love that and kind of along that same vein also not maybe using reading as a punishment yes right with that like oh, i want goodness. you to read but don't be like oh you're grounded you need to read for 30 minutes oh no 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 please don't do that and also don't be like you must read at this time right it's much more engaging when it's like a family experience mm -hmm. it's like, okay we're gonna read together i'm gonna pick a book and you're gonna pick one and sometimes um she'll say can we read three books tonight and i'm like three <sighs> I love you so much. We're going to do three. <laughs> okay, we'll do three I tonight. Have to. I guess so I, I just have to do three books with you tonight. I love um, that. So it's, as long as it, it's great family time. It I is. Think. It really is. Well, and I think that's such an awesome opportunity for teachers to be able to work better with families and providing homework that creates more family time. I don't think I realized it yes. until my kids started having homework and realizing, oh my goodness, I'm sending home way too much homework. And the amount of time, you know, I'm an educator, right? And I've got papers to grade and sometimes I'm not coming home or available to help with homework until maybe five or six o'clock at mm -hmm. night. I got to cook dinner. And so I'm realizing how little time there really is to be at home spending family time together. And so yes. to be able to incorporate something like that, like do a read aloud with your child, you know, or mm -hmm. play a game a sound game with your, your child, you know, at home, then it becomes fun and it becomes a part of our family yes. time. And it's not, Oh, we got to do our homework. And then hopefully we'll squeeze in 10 minutes of family time yes. before we go to bed. You know, honestly, when I was in the classroom, I didn't, really assigned homework and if I did it was more like I used to do like family different family projects that they could yeah. do together I love um, it. like where they did like their family history or they got to interview a grandparent and that kind of thing so I tried to involve the family around the homework as much as possible and include like writing and reading and whatnot but I didn't really like sending copious amounts of homework because sometimes like at least in secondary yeah. some of my kids had jobs right so I mean it's not just only about family time but it's also they're growing up and being adults. So they have to work too. Right. Exactly. It's so good to see that different perspective. And it's things that we don't even think about from the parent perspective or from the teacher perspective is being able to see that it's just because my home was like this when I grew yes. up, doesn't mean everyone's home is like that. And not mm -hmm. that one is good or bad or different. Oh, no. It's just, it's just not the same and everyone has their own circumstances. Exactly. So to be able to work in some of those really neat and easy ideas can help one to empower the parents and so they're not feeling so isolated yeah. from the classroom and know? of course like the best resource for what you can do at home is your child's teacher right you can talk to them and have a good relationship with them they'll be able to give you information about how they're doing in class right and how they're developing and they can give you suggestions that would be specific for your child if that's what you need but yeah overall 
have fun. Yeah. Play games with your kids. There's lots of <laughs> suggestions. Um, Jack Hartman, kids love him on oh YouTube. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I love it. And you have to enjoy it. And I'm glad too that you mentioned that about reading with your child. Um, I didn't recently, it's like one of those things like, of course, why wouldn't I think to do that? I do read all the time, but to read with my daughter, uh-huh. it's, it is amazing because she sees it as like, well, she's reading and I'm reading and we're reading together. Yes. Even though we're not even talking right now, we're spending time together. So mm-hmm. prioritize it. They will follow what you do, not yes. necessarily what you say. So um, that's awesome. So then now you've seen it from both perspectives and you've been now in education for 12 years. So you're taking on this teacher leadership role. How then do you influence others that are coming in that may be brand new to the classroom or ones that have been there to be able to think about reading differently, especially it's perfect timing, right? In the light of science of reading really taking off. How are you doing that? How are you able to influence colleagues? Well, I mean, when, when you say that, like, that's my job description. Every day, that's what, <laughs> what I have you? to do. You know, I'm collaborating with teachers, and I, I mentioned this um, earlier, but I'm really lucky. I have really great teachers that are really open to ideas, and sometimes I'll say things that are just like, oh, maybe we could try this, and I'm di- giving different suggestions. They're like, yeah, I want to do that. And it's just about, I think, making yourself available and being that kind of servant leader and mm-hmm. being there to um, support your teachers. That's what I'm there for. I'm here to help. Right. Um, I have different ideas. Doesn't necessarily mean that my ideas are better than yours. Right. Um, talking about science of reading, we, I recently did a collaboration with third grade on orthographic mapping, which I had never heard of until fairly recently. Wow. Um, and they were, that was the the Zoom that I did on the side of the road. <laughs> that I was on the side 2021. Of the road when I was collaborating because I was, I was home. So I had to still do my collaborative planning and they were like, okay, we're ready. Um, and we talked a lot about that. And, um, because we, we do phonetic decoding where we see the word and we say k- at, right? Right. We read it. But with orthographic mapping, it's the opposite. We say the sound, mm-hmm. the word, I'm sorry, and then the children, they will tap out the sound. So I hear cat. What sounds do you hear? How many sounds? Three sounds. K- at. And then they map it with different manipulatives. Sometimes we think that manipulatives are only for math. Yeah. I don't know why. There's all kinds of things that we can use for reading. Yeah. Um, for finger tracking. I'm going on a tangent, but that's okay. For finger tracking, <laughs> we can have a little googly eye on a, on a little um, tongue depressor and they can track with that. Little things that puppets that they can read with. Um, but going back to orthographic mapping, we can um, use different counters, erasers, for them to map the sounds as mm-hmm. they say them. And then they write the sound and then they read the sound. The words, I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's a lot more of a more more steps, but I think it helps the kids that are having difficulty with blending because they have to say this word, count how many sounds, map the sounds with a manipulative, mm-hmm. write the the words, and then they get to read it. And it's um, you know, I'm getting emotional. I had a kid this year uh, at the beginning of the year. I was giving him his phonics diagnostic, and he started to cry because he couldn't read any of the words. And he says, "I know I'm reading these wrong." because I don't know how to read. I can't read, mm-hmm. is what he told me. So I said, well, you have me. You're such a lucky guy. You have an amazing teacher, and I'm the reading person. That's what I do. It's my yeah. job. That's literally in my title. So I'm going to teach you how to read. And one of the, we worked on phonological um, awareness with the Hagerty lessons, and we do the different movements. We punch out the sounds. We clap the, the syllables. He's making a lot of progress, but with orthographic mapping in those steps, now, after I think five sessions with me, he's reading CBC words. Oh my goodness. And it's like in such a short amount of time, it's only 30 minutes and right. he's made such progress. And now I think because he's gone so long, he's a third grader Wow. and um, has not been able to read for a variety of different reasons. Um, he still says, well, I can't read. And I was like, well, what are all these words that you just wrote and read? What is that? It's like, that's reading. 
I said, yes. Oh, you didn't even recognize that. Yes, what you're reading. Wow. And then we put them in sentences. And he said, wow, I read that. Yeah. And they're CVC words, but he still read them. Right. So I, that's, I, I, so I think that the more that we learn about the science of reading and different things like that, the greater of an impact we'll make on our children. Right. So I'm really happy that I met him and that he's my person and I get to teach him how to read in the mornings. I love that. And <laughs> 30 minutes is making this impact. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sometimes we look back and there's these little missed opportunities that we all will inevitably have. But thank goodness for these times. Otherwise, how many how much longer is he going to continue to be in school feeling like he can't read? Is he going to get to 12th grade? You know, Is he going to graduate? Know. If not for someone to say, let's stop right here. Even though you're in third grade, we're going to figure out what's going on and break it down step by step by step to get him there. So because I was able to collaborate with third grade, he's getting the information from me. He's getting the instruction from me and from his teacher. I love that. So I'm really happy to have teachers that are really open to learning new things and learning different strategies and whatnot. Yeah. Well, and I think you hit it on the head, too, is this idea of servant leadership. It's not like you're necessarily coming in and rescuing oh, everybody. Yeah. It's this idea of it's collaborative. And that's what I love hearing. And that's what teachers want to do with each other is collaborate. And through stories like that, you can see it's not just one more thing for us to learn. This is something that I can show you is really making a difference with this child. And if we make ourselves learn even something new, yes, you know, it can make an impact. I think that's actually one of the really cool things about being a teacher yeah. is that you get to collaborate with so many different people, not just like your team, but also like you have the coaches at your school and you have the administrators. If you have a supportive um, administration, which I've always had, um, and they come in, they bring in ideas. I've got to collaborate with different coaches from across the district, which is really awesome. And they've sent me things through the quarter and I send them things. So it's just like, I'm not the reservoir of all the knowledge of literacy. Yeah. So like, it's really awesome that I get to work with so many different people across the district that have such great ideas that will um, positively impact the children at my school. I love it. Awesome. Well, and we want to always wrap up with the same question. You're of course been hitting on, on it a lot about how passionate you are about this, but we call this the Ignite Project because we want everything we talk about here to ignite a spark that will just continue to lead into a major change that we see here, not just in Polk County, but across the country. So if you could pick one area in education to spark change and ignite a shift in behavior and mindset, what would that be? Our passion for literacy is not scary. <laughs> right. It's not scary. It's something that we can do, make small changes in all our subject areas to ignite that passion uh, in all of our children so that they can become better readers and writers in the future. Great summary to an awesome podcast. Thank you so much, Jaime, for coming in. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Super excited. I'm excited to see how people go ahead and start using these strategies at home and in the classroom. Me too. Thanks for joining us. Are you fired up? You can continue to fuel the fire by connecting with us here in teacher engagement. Every month we host virtual all teacher seminars and we also have ongoing programs designed to support teachers wherever they're at in their teaching career. Whether you're a new teacher or a teacher leader, there is a way to get plugged in. Follow us on social media at, at @teachengagepcps to see all that we have going on. Let's keep that spark alive and join forces with others who have chosen to stay ignited. Thanks for joining us. You can subscribe to the Ignite Project on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or watch online at the Polk County Public Schools YouTube channel. To learn more about the Ignite Project and other Polk County Public School podcasts, go to polkschoolsfl.com forward slash podcasts.